You're listening to Sunday Skate. At night. With Heat Blackburn is back from CBS Sports and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. Right now, currently, Bruce Cassidy's having a lot of success with the Bruins. They're playing against your, your old club, and that isn't going well for Carolina. But I, I was told you weren't a huge fan of, of playing for Bruce in Washington when you did. Oh, uh, yeah. Piece of s***, tip to tail. <laughs> no, never, never liked that guy. I don't know how he is still a coach. Boggles my mind. I honestly didn't even know he was still coaching, and I randomly saw a highlight. Uh, as you can tell, I, I don't follow a whole lot. I mean, I watch some, but I don't, I'm not a diehard. Saw him on the screen, I couldn't believe it. It just shows how good Boston is. They're, they're playing that oh. well. Without <laughs> wow, you're really Okay, so why was he such a bad coach? Just unprepared. I never knew what was, we were doing for Friday. It was just unorganized as far as, I mean, maybe things have changed. I, I hope they have, but not my bread and butter up there, up there with him. Well, that of course, is the world-famous now Bates Battaglia interview with uh, Ryan Whitney of Spittin' Chicklets. Ryan Whitney, an excellent defenseman in his own right and former BU Terrier, was a big fan of his back in the day. I think now, Bates Battaglia is seeing the uh, the attention that Sean Avery is getting in his post, post-playing career, and he's like, I'm going to be more like that guy. Well, I think it's appropriate that they kept the, the Gloria playing in the background while he was speaking because... He's definitely the kind of guy who was at a dive bar in Philadelphia every commercial break yelling for Gloria in a drunken state because that's, that's, that's kind of what he sounded like there. It's also what I sound like sometimes. Yeah, so. well, don't we all? But we don't all go on national podcasts and get interviewed by Which, the likes of Ryan Whitney. The, the in, bigger in that question state. is why is Bates Battaglia on Spitting Chicklets? I don't know. We haven't figured that out yet. I think. They've, they've guessing been rolling it's... off the A-list guests <laughs> left and right, and then yeah, all of I mean, a sudden, I just saw Bates one... Pataglia slips yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, they've had some of the biggest names in hockey on there, and now they've had Bates Pataglia. Maybe they kind of off the air knew that he was going to do something like that, and they got us to talk about it. We know Mutt's obsessed with it. Uh, Mutt's been talking about it every day. They don't Even when the shows are over, I think he keeps talking about it. He keeps bringing up Bates Pataglia every time hockey comes up, so... Give us something. Give everybody something to talk about in the ten days. And Bruce Cassidy, you know, I mean, he's been he's owned that since day one in Boston, since day one in Providence. That he was not a very good coach back then. And let's face it, the players were did not treat him properly at the time. And we know Yamir Yager had the spears out for him, and clearly they uh, they took advantage of it. And the team made the playoffs one year and went in the toilet the next. And he's never shied away from that. Yeah, breaking news. Guy is better at his job 10 years later. Exactly. I mean, look at Craig Berube in, in this series. Craig Berube with Philadelphia looked terrible. Right. I'm like, you know, the Flyers have a tendency to give their alumni, you know, preferential treatment. You know, Bobby Clark had his ups and downs when he was in the front office there. We saw they had Hextall for a while. You know, Holmgren, these guys that come in there, the big, the Broad Street bullies, and they stick around with the organization, and sometimes they stick around longer than they should, and Barubi didn't get a very uh, long leash there and was canned and looked like he was going to be gone, and he, like Bruce Cassidy, went to the American Hockey League. He swallowed his pride and started from scratch again, and uh, he's done a hell of a job, probably. Well, I guess... It's also, a, I mean, he got a pretty good roster. I, I think that yeah. you know this Blues team, most people expected them to be good heading into this year. They made a, uh, right. had a nice offseason, and people thought they'd be they'd bounce back and yeah. sort of finish where they finished uh, in the uh, in the Central Division. Right. Because, but the hole they dug when he right. took over. Right, I, I mean, it's just unbelievable that amazing. they were able to come back. But I I would say if if you're uh, if you're going to point to a coach this season for the Blues who's who's uh, you know more responsible for this team. 
I think it's Mike Yo and the work that he did and <laughs> well, burying a team that is clearly talented on the roster. Well, obviously, and you know, I've heard the quote a few times now talking about Baruby himself saying, "I had to do two things: I had to fix the defense, the way we defended, and get this team to believe that yeah, Yo I mean, Yo had just yanked the confidence out of this team that we all talked about as being so talented." Yeah, I mean, I mean, they were dead in the water at the at the start of the calendar year. I think what January third, they were in dead last place, and and you know that's a very daunting thing. I you know what is what's the uh, the mark with Thanksgiving where people love to say that if you're not in the playoff picture by Thanksgiving, you're not. Gonna yeah, make the that's kind of changed now, but yeah, yeah it was a thing. You know, I don't buy right. into that. But you yeah. know, when you're in dead last place at the uh, when 2019 comes right. around, you're probably not going to make the playoffs no. most years. And and it, it helps that they got a goalie who who turned out to be unbelievable in the second half of the year. But uh, yeah, I mean, Craig Ruby's done a great job. I, I just think that I might not rush to say that he's he's uh, you know an unbelievable coach at this point in time. All right. Well, why don't you tell us what you think? Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Yes, you are hearing hockey talk on WEI. We're in our second hour, Pete. Are you how are you holding up over there? They gave us two hours this week. I'm good to go. We only had one hour on Sunday. Now we have two hours on a special nighttime edition, a Thursday night of Sunday Skate. And uh, if you look at this Gloria thing, I want to bring this up again because I think this is hilarious. It's not the gl- it's not the Gloria part of it. It's the part that you're getting involved in it because. <laughs> Gloria, to me, this Gloria thing is an awesome thing, or at least I thought it was an awesome thing until I've heard the other side of this from, from you and DJ's perspective. But just to let people know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not necessarily 100% on it. They started playing Gloria because the the Blues players were at a dive bar in Philly on an off night, right? and there were drunks there asking for Gloria every commercial break right. in a game. Yep. And it was during a Philadelphia Eagles game, yeah. So the players joined in. Yep, they loved and, it. And they adopted it as this song. I think that's great. It's organic. The they, Bruins never have won. anything organic. They won a game. They had they had uh they had the PA play Gloria after uh-huh. they won a game. They decided to stick with it. Okay. And so uh became a thing in the second half of the year. Okay. And I loved it. It's great. It's a lot and, of fun. Which, it made a lot of sense because I used to play Run Around Sue, which I didn't understand what that had to do with St. Louis. And then when I read a story about it, there was no reason for it. They just picked that random song. Some guy in the booth picked it. So <laughs> So that's it's clearly a blues song, but you and DJ kind of like to well, we poke liked fun it so people. much, and we thought that it was such a cool thing that we were like, "Hey, Bruins should have a song. Bruins got to have a song. Bruins got to have a victory song." And we tried to think of a song, and we ultimately decided that the Blues got it right, and so we were going to take it, and we were going to we were going to take Gloria for ourselves. Let's let's have some fun. Let's share things. No, we've, uh, we've seen this happen before. You know, obviously, I'm from New York, and when the Mets got Billy Wagner, well, he wanted to say. play Enter Sandman, and to me, I don't even understand what the nonsense is. I mean, clearly, as much as I hate the Yankees, it's Mariano Rivera's song. Let the guy have his song. Pick your own damn song, or at least be as good as Mariano Rivera. Right. Nonetheless. Uh, well, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, we saw what happened with the Red Sox and Yankees, where Aaron yeah. Judge plays New York, uh-huh. New York, and the, the Red Sox steal it. That's an absolutely hilarious storyline. Absolutely. So, and I, I sort of saw this matchup coming, uh, Bruins-Blues, <laughs> so... I mean, to, to, to take Gloria right out from under him is, is unbelievable, but... As I mentioned at the top of the show, it as it initially was meant to be a uh, a little bit of a troll to Blues fans, right. it's become exponentially more of a troll to Laura Branigan's estate and yes. her uh, legacy manager. Right, now we should unquote. mention Laura Branigan died dead. a number of years Quite ago. Dead. Um, the song, though, you wouldn't believe this. I mean, seriously, Pete, think of the worst earworm you've ever had in your lifetime. Gloria was on the radio 
24-7. When I was a kid, I think it must have been about 82, 83. I was seven or eight years old, and your mom puts on Top 40 radio. That was the song. And I hated it then. I probably like it more now, especially now that it's associated to such a funny thing with the blues. But the crazy thing is what's going on with this with, the, with her estate. I mean, on Twitter of all places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Laura Brannigan's got a Twitter account, verified Twitter account. It says Laura Brannigan. It's very, it's not like Laura Brannigan thoughts, Laura Brannigan uh, memories, things like that. It's Laura Brannigan with a blue check mark, and it's uh, her manager or her estate manager or whatever it is, Kathy, who tweets like a high schooler and decided has decided to get in the feud with me and DJ, and it is absolutely hilarious. There's so many things that blow my mind about this. First of all, that this, like you said, she she tweets like a high schooler. Second of all, she's doing it through Laura Brannigan's official. Like you know, like get your own Paris. Twitter account, Kathy. Right, Just fight your own so, battles. So it looks like, in my creepy mind, it looks like a deceased pop star <laughs> is tweeting, is tweet feeding with you over whose team her song belongs to. And the fact that she can't get that you're joking and just let it go is just mind-boggling. Where is she from that she doesn't understand sarcasm and humor? And also, like, attaching all these these petty thoughts to Laura Brannigan's Twitter account with the blue checkmark. Like, Laura Brannigan, for all we know, could have hated the St. Louis Blues. Could have hated hated the the entire team, the entire city. Uh, But Kathy... From from her uh, her management team has decided to attach her high school thoughts to the Twitter. Amazing, account. And, and, per- and and personally, I know no one's asking me this, but I think if you're going to have the uh, Bruins adopted '80s pop song to uh, be their victory song, it has to be "When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going" by Billy Ocean. That that sums it up right there. What the Bruins are about, honestly, anything other than bon- the Bon Jovi song that they play, is <laughs> and I think they've so actually stopped cheesy. that. So let's let's, uh, let's go to Pat and Braintree. Pat wants to talk about Tory Crews' contract, which I kind of brought up a How little bit. How are you, before. boys? Hey, Pat, how's, how's it going? Good. How's everything? Great. Hey, when I was wondering, like you said, he's up, he's up after next year. I just don't think you can invest the money in him that next level. He's making five or a little more than five now. Right. I just think this summer, if you package him, you could get a good young forward back. Mm-hmm. You know, and like. You know, take the place of Krejci, you know, after next year or whenever he's up. And one more quick thing. I can't stand Krejci on the point of the power play. It's a train wreck. I don't know what you guys think of that. Well, I think he's been, you know, he's been on the second power play now most of the time. He calmed down that first one when they were having troubles in the Columbus series. And uh, he's he's a great, he's got great vision. He's got good hands. And so I, I don't see a problem with it's it. It's really. really tough to have any complaints about the way the power play is working sure. at this point in time. And even the second group. I- I know, but I need him on the wall. Yeah. At the point when that puck gets by him, he can't skate anymore. That's what I, my biggest concern. Give they give up a lot of breaks on that power play. You you got to admit that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, obviously, if things go haywire, he could always go Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzlick on that group and and drop Krejci down and not have to worry about it. I mean, and I think you might actually see that more often than uh, than not now because. Uh, of the way things have gone with the power play at times, giving up the chances. But you know, going back to the crew thing, I think obviously. It's going to be hard to keep him under the cap if he wants to make what he's worth on the open market in 2020. What I'm looking at is Brad Marchand at 28 took 6.3 he's making now. David Postonok at 22 took 6.6 million. These guys obviously worth more than they took here. And I'm thinking if Tory Krug wants to be here, if he takes... That around that much, they could maybe do this for a few years. Oh, those are, 
like you said, those two contracts are the best two contracts in hockey. Exactly. The Bruins right have there. the top three yeah. forwards locked up for the price of, like... <laughs> and I mean, we've I mean, we seen what happened in Tampa with uh, with Yasmin as well in, in you know, the the, the friend, team-friendly deals that he was able to get yeah. uh, from his top stars. Uh, I mean, it certainly helps that Florida has the, what, no income tax. Right. So, um, not going to get the same benefits here, but... Yeah, I guess if Tory Krug really, really wants to stay here, uh, then they can they can make it work. And but it, he's he has right. the ability to to yeah. go somewhere else and cash in if he wants to. Exactly. I mean, the thing is though, when you talk about wanting to be here, the situation here is so great for him. He can play the way he want he plays, and there's so much depth on the defense to to take care of that. And just also, I mean, we've seen it now. You know, guys that come here and they win and they see the culture here. You take a the grass is always greener and it doesn't go right for a lot of guys when they leave here. You know, you know when you look at Louis Erickson or any number of players that have left. Well, Louis Erickson went <laughs> to Vancouver, so that's your first mistake. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it's a great place to live, so I can't knock him on that. But um, the Tory Krug issue, I don't think is as clear cut as trade him for a forward because, and it's not just because of what he does offensively, because clearly you could make up for that in different ways, but, I mean, the guy's a heart and soul guy, and now that he's playing defense the way he is, you look at him and say, this is a complete defenseman now, on top of being a leader, a stand-up guy, and you say, do you really want to rip that off your team, especially when Chara, are we, are we going to say that Chara's ne- ne- last year is next year? I, is, I think so. It's pr- pretty so close. So you're taking that off your left side of defense, and you're taking that voice out of the room. We don't know if Bacchus is here past this year. So you know you're left to Patrice and, and Krejci are your only guys who wear letters still on the team. You're going to need these veterans to lead. That's, they've been the perfect blend right now. You, you're injecting these young players into the lineup, and the older guys are guiding them. Jake Jake DeBrusque is is I think the next. Guy he is, in line. but he's still too young. He's in that next wave. I'm not ready to turn the team over. We're talking. We're talking two years down the road. We're also three days away from the Stanley Cup final. I don't know why we're talking about Tory Krug's contract and, well, and who would, the next leader of this team is. I would just say that Tory Krug being traded is not a clear-cut decision here, and that's going to be the hardest no. decision of Don Sweeney's offseason yeah. if we ever play the Stanley Cup final and get to the offseason. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, at this point, it's, I, I really don't want to talk about Tory Cruz's contract All right, well, I'm sure David Backus is going to be a huge storyline in this series. Yeah. I mean, clearly, we're going to talk about David Backus. We're going to be so sick of him. And uh, Joe in New Hampshire wants to talk about David Backus against the Blues. Hey, Joe. Uh, how you guys doing? Good, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Um, what kind of emotions do you think he comes out with? Do you think he comes out, you know, slow to start? Do you think he comes out heavy? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's funny because I think in normal circumstances, David Backus comes out the way he did in the other series when he was out of the lineup, came in and had full head of steam, straight ahead, forechecking, hitting, and, and setting a tone. But it might be a little awkward for him. They haven't, when you go from the east to the west, you, or from the west to the east, you haven't played your old team that often. And now you're doing it on this stage, and you're going to see your best friend Pietrangelo right across the, the ring from you, and it might make him a little tentative at first. I mean, he 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 even uh, mentioned. I think it was um, Brian Boucher interviewed him, mm-hmm. um, and he he said during the Bruins series that when they were up three nothing, he was already thinking about. <laughs> he couldn't help but think right. that like maybe he's going to play the Blues yeah, in the yeah. Stanley Cup final. So uh, I'm sure it's going to you know, be obviously. You know, he's never fought for the cup, but. right? And. Uh, 
I, I got a fun little stat for you. David Backus, since coming here, five games against the Blues, he scored three times. Wow. So uh, I think that there's certainly an element to David Backus that he gets up for those games mm-hmm. and he, uh, you know, he really wants to play well. Yeah. I think just the fact that his role now is so physical – it's so much about that right now as opposed to scoring, like you said, that he can't go out there and say, okay, I'm going to try and score a big goal against these guys. I have to go out there and, and punish these guys that are trying to do the same thing I am and I'm so close to them. But I'm sure he'll bury it right away. I mean, I did see one thing. I don't know what I hate to say it without crediting it, but somebody did do an interview with him, and it might have been Boucher, where he said something about he wanted to be, he always wanted to be the first blue to ever raise the cup because he okay, never won right. the cup and he yeah. was the captain. And so he would have been the first one. So that kind of makes it really interesting. It might be different if the Blues were at home. If the Blues had home ice advantage, maybe if he was there, it would really sink in for him that he was not part of that for them. But I think it will be a little easier at home. The crowd's going to be so fired up. Um, I would expect nothing less than a, a David Backus, you know, hard-nosed, 10 minutes of hockey, very Sean Thornton-esque where you go out there and you, you set a tone. I mean, going back to 2011, I always say that the Bruins won that cup the first shift that the Merlot line took in Game 7, they dominated the Canucks and totally you know, shocked them, I think, the way that they came out, not being scared the way the Bruins probably should have been. And that's that's been more, a lot of what David Backus has brought to this team, not just the physical play, but the fact that he puts the confidence in these young kids that they, they're not scared of anything and they, they fight through adversity. And we talk about David Backus not being there before. Uh, I looked it up t- earlier today. I was pretty stunned that on this Blues roster, there's one single guy who has a single game of uh, of Stanley Cup playoff experience or Stanley Cup final experience, and it's David Perron. He's the only yeah, guy on the roster from last year from last year right. with the Vegas Golden Knights, and I think that he was uh, he was a healthy scratch uh, for one of those games yeah, last was. year for the Knights, right. and he didn't have a good good series, good playoffs, and so. <laughs> this is a completely inexperienced team, uh, not not in the playoffs, but right. in terms of Stanley Cup final, which I think is somewhat of a different beast. Yeah, you think the inexperience hurts them? Yeah, I mean it's it's always going to be an edge for the Bruins. We've seen it every round pretty much. Uh, it's been a difference, you know. Uh, even Columbus uh, and tried to tried to play it off as it wasn't going to be a big deal, and it was. And I think. You know, there's no doubt that a lot of what happened to Carolina, if it's ninety percent, the Bruins just being better. 10% clearly was them not being ready for what what this was going to entail. You know, they got Dougie Hamilton. Oh, nothing bothers me. You know, don't – I understand you're not going to admit weakness, but you don't have to, like, be so bold to be out there and say, oh, nothing's going to bother me. They boo me all the time. He was clearly thrown off in that game one. Right. And whether it was the fans chanting or just the, what the Bruins were saying to him on the ice, the way they were playing against him, they got in his head – they got into a few guys' head on that team. Justin Williams obviously went nuts. I don't know what was going on there. And uh, th- th- it could happen here, too. I mean, the yeah, fact is... this is a much different team. Yeah, it's a much different team you're saying the, the experience is going to be different, or the experience is going to be a difference, I think the experience will play a factor to an extent. Fair enough. I think I, it, it less weighs on my mind or, or less, uh, you know, I... I'm not willing to put that as a criticism towards the Blues yet, but just because they're not a team like Carolina, that you, they're they're a heavy team, they're a physical team. I, that's a team I think that can can come out and you know play the way that they want to play and sort of establish a tone. Whereas Carolina just came out and got bullied, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. exactly well, what happened. Obviously, the weakest of the four opponents, so it doesn't even it's not worth it talking about them anymore. Fair enough. <laughs> so this is Sunday Skate, special nighttime edition on a Thursday. 
Uh, you can join us, 617-779-7937. You're listening to Sunday Skate. At night. With Pete Blackburn is back from CBS Sports. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, going, going. Were you breathing uh, a little heavily when you saw Marshand uh, block a shot there and be, uh, come back to the bench in a little bit of pain? Uh, listen, injury risk was our biggest concern tonight. Uh, it is, it'll be Saturday when we practice at our normal time and Sunday, obviously. You know, you keep your fingers crossed, but um, he's fine. He just bumped into Clifton in front of the net and jammed his, I don't know what, he jammed his hand or something. So he kept playing and it was fine. There's no issue there. Well, this is Sunday Skate at Night, and you can tell because we're playing my favorite song when the going gets tough. The tough get going. Billy Ocean, the Bruins, should be the new Bruins celebration song. Can you just picture Zidane Char and Patrice Bergeron rocking out to this after a victory? Absolutely not. Come on. They'll put on some purple spandex pants and headbands. Did you see, uh, did you see them try to recreate the, uh, the, the Patriots, the bad boys for life? Oh, uh, yeah, but, right, yep. I not did. quite as good with the execution, but well, I, I appreciate the I mean, effort. That's completely out of my age, out of my demographic, but I did see it, yes, and seemed kind of cool to me. I don't know. I, like, I think Charlie McAvoy has a personality that hopefully as he gets older will come out of him more. I think he has a good sense of humor. Obviously, he's from New York, so of course he does, and uh, it's interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of these guys up. have good personalities. Yeah, so. they need to show it more. I think that the National Hockey League as, as a whole Needs to be more PK Subban. They're and getting less, there. They're getting less. there. They're, uh, they're they're opening up the doors for for personality a little bit. So it's just them making weird faces. <laughs> you can tell that uh, Charlie wanted to recreate the video that Tom Brady and, uh, and Rob Gronkowski took after the AFC Championship, but it didn't have quite the same effectiveness. I don't I don't think I'm telling tales out of school to tell you that Charlie McAvoy still roots for the Giants. But anyway, this is Sunday Skate at Night on a Thursday. Sunday Skate has become so great, we're not even contained to Sunday anymore. It's just Skate. Or one hour. We're two hours on a Thursday night. The best two hours of hockey talk on this, sh- on this station all week long, obviously. Before you know it, we'll be in the midday position. But right now, we're at night. And you can call us, 617-779-7937, if you want to talk about the Bruins and the Blues, if you want to talk about Tori Krug, if you want to talk about Billy Ocean, or any 80s music, Laura Branigan, Journey, Eddie Money, my favorite also, Eddie Money. That's another great one. But he doesn't really have any good songs. That would be good celebration songs, but still an awesome, awesome Two tickets to paradise? Two tickets to paradise, Eddie Money. Take Me Home Tonight. That's actually, actually, Take Me Home Tonight would be a good victory song, because... Or maybe it's a good losing song when you lose. You know, just, take, just take me home. Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you were talking about breaking down the matchups, and I, I gave you my one area where I said the Blues might win Win in, in a matchup would be the defense against the forwards. And So where do you see the Bruins dominating in those other areas, or is it closer? No, I picked I picked one area that the Bruins might uh, might be at a disadvantage, and it's bottom six forwards. And, and I know that... Uh, Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson and Dan yep. Heinen. I think Dan Heinen's been had a, a very sneakily underrated playoff. Absolutely, and uh, he's been very, very good. Um, those guys, awesome. The fourth line, really good. A big, big hit with with Chris Wagner. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think they haven't been bad. 
I'm not going to say that, but the Blues, their fourth line might have been their best line in that Western yes, Conference final. Absolutely. I mean, it's not really a fourth line when you look. I mean, Alex Steen and Barbershop, I mean, I don't think these guys necessarily right. are fourth liners to begin with. And you look at Alex Steen, I was looking at their payroll today. He makes $6 million and he's playing on the fourth line. Well, that's, that was like a big, big thing for me in, in, what Barube's been able to do there is like guys are buying in. He's got yeah. six million dollar guys playing on the fourth line, and I mean it's like you said, it's not necessarily a fourth line when they're when they're getting so much run and and they're doing so well. But a lot of guys might take that as a shot to the ego, and sure. it's sort of like well, it, David Back is being playing right. on the, the well, that, third line. Well, he, okay, so that's 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 definitely what where we're looking at here. Teams that make the Stanley Cup final, they do that. The players right. accept their roles, and you, you have to wonder. I mean, obviously, coaching plays into it a lot, but nonetheless, I it's kind of crazy to think that you're a pro athlete. You make, regardless of what you're making, you're making enough to get by for sure. You are comfortable. If you're have to do a certain thing for a team, that obviously there are some teams where guys aren't doing that, and it's kind of scary to think that, that that it's it's just this easy, right? It's easy for it's just this easy for David Backus to say. I can play this role, and this team will succeed and get as far as it's gotten. And I don't have to have, I don't have to score goals. I just have to go out there and hit and be a leader. Alexander Steen, the same thing. He, although he's scoring goals, making that maybe a more potent or fourth line than you're not used to seeing. Right. But clearly, a guy who should who think expects himself when he shows up at camp to be in the top six. Right. And he's right. buying in. And he's certainly not dogging it. That, that right. fourth line has had so much energy and been so good on the forecheck. Right. Um, and so that that's why I put them that their bottom six as yeah. an advantage and, over and the Bruins. You, so how would you match up the third? You said, you said maybe Coyle and Johansson. Have come on. Maybe are we still doubting them a little bit? Just how they're doing a final, and especially if they're matched up against. No, I think those guys, even if they're as good as they've been throughout the playoffs, I still think you got to give the advantage to the Blues when you've got a fourth line that's playing as well as their fourth line is. Mm. I mean, especially you know if if they're if they're pressuring, if they're out there against um, you know Grizzlick and uh, and Clifton. I'm a little scared because those guys are, right. are putting a ton of pressure on the puck. They're forcing turnovers and creating offense off of it. So that's a concern for me. Yeah, I mean, and I think the thir- I, I, you know the third line also. I think would, would, is, is going to be trouble. I mean, the craziest part is you look at the, <laughs> these guys that they signed July first. You know, you talk about um, July first is the time to overpay. And if there, were, were there two bigger overpays on July first than Bozak and Perron, and to think of the things they've done. Uh, in this play, in this playoff, at least, I mean, well, I was always uh, uh, not not necessarily a fan of the Bozak deal, but it's so important to have three centers yeah. and and be able to have that third line center is is maybe the most important thing um, for like a Stanley Cup contender because you're gonna need those three lines, and so I didn't necessarily hate the Bozak deal. Uh, I understood the importance of it, but yeah, I mean, he's getting overpaid for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's overpaid, but maybe also we kind of underrated him because maybe he's just getting lost in the shuffle there in Toronto the, the, toward the end. You know, he had, maybe had the worst timing ever for a, a guy in Toronto. Comes in when they're terrible. He's being asked to be a first-line center when he's probably a second right. or a third. And then next thing you know, Matthews comes in and, and, they're, and he's getting bumped down. And, he, and he's just, and you know, clearly they well, were in I disarray. mean, there is, there is some humor in the fact that Tavares comes in and basically <laughs> costs him a job. Bozak has to go elsewhere. Right. And, and, you know, he gets paid or whatever. But hey. he has to go elsewhere and loses his job in Toronto. <laughs> and first team he goes to, they make the Stanley Cup final in the, in the, uh, in the first season that he's there. I'm, some humor in I'm that. I'm sure the people in Toronto are and taking it well. still can't avoid the Bruins. I'm sure the people in Toronto are taking that very well. Yes. I, I'm sure. I know those people with their 
great sportsmanship. They're great class. They're, they can't wait for Tyler Bozak to raise the cup so they can salute him. I'm sure just like Ray Bork came back to Boston with the cup, with the after winning with the Colorado Tyler Bozak will be feted in Toronto when he wins the cup. If the Bruins can't win the cup, I hope the Blues win and Tyler Bozak takes the Stanley Cup back to Toronto and they give him a... Uh, Up to the CN a, Tower? A Ray Bork parade through the streets of well, maybe, Toronto. Well, I maybe, mean, you never know, maybe he'll bring it to the Raptors parade. Oh, the, the Raptors, Raptors are It looks like the Raptors are now one win away from the NBA Finals. and Where they have the distinct uh, <laughs> honor of losing to the Warriors. Well, they'll be rusty, right? Because they'll have had the long <laughs> ra- break, too, right? I mean, I just wonder. I, was, I can't help but wonder. Like, are, t- are Toronto fans just jerks for everything, or is it just the Maple Leafs? Are there nice Toronto fans? Are there people who, uh, that root for the Raptors that don't think everyone else is terrible, that aren't calling for the suspension of every player and every team? Is it because... The Leafs have been haven't won in fifty years, and they're so bitter. Quite possibly, but I hate <laughs> Leafs fans so much that it's I can't can't even think about rooting for any other team in Toronto. And do do the do the Leafs fans turn to the Raptors? Are, are they rooting for the Raptors? Or there's, is there a yeah. divide? Yeah, no. Uh, Toronto is very much a oh this team is out. We'll focus our attention on this team now. Uh, and I've been told that from people from Toronto, and it was strange to me because there there are definitely fans here that once the Celtics are bounced, they're not going to jump onto this, the Bruins bandwagon. They could care less, and, and and that's not the case for a lot of people in Toronto. Once the Leafs are out, they're like, okay, we're 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 Raptors fans. Well, good for them then. I, I, I give them a loony or a toony or whatever. But uh, this is Sunday skate at night. I guess it should be skate at night, but that sounds really weird too. But Sunday Skate at Night, Thursday edition, it's a, it's kind of a mouthful, but you can join us, 617-779-7937. Seven, 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 okay? You know, I'm used to doing Sunday Skate in the morning, so now I'm at night, and I've got to like find this nighttime energy. You know, I have an eight-year-old son. It's way different. I go to bed. swallowing I would at night normally in be in bed right now, but here I am talking hockey with you. It's kind of like the same thing. I'm usually with an eight-year-old son instead of <laughs> with an eight-year-old co-host. And uh, it's, it's hard sometimes to keep your energy up, especially when we start talking about Toronto. But we really should, when this show, if this, this show keeps going on for eternity, and clearly when we get moved to the midday and Dale and Kiefer out or and Calman and Blackburn are in, we've got to get a sponsor for this segment where we rip on Canada. Because, and we need to pocket some of that money. Well, it's usually Don Cherry. I think Don Cherry got off easy. <laughs> That's uh, true. He's, he's okay, usually the object that of That brings scorn. up another topic I've been wondering about. What does Don Cherry do... In these six days since there's been a hockey game, is he in hibernation? Does he sleep in a cave somewhere? Does he go suit shopping? I think they just unplug him. <laughs> do they unplug him? Yeah. Do they feed him tapioca? What do they do during this time? Is it like awakenings? Do they have to put the drugs in him in time for the next game? I don't. I, I just wonder where Don Cherry is these days. But I swear his his takes are just like uh, it's it's somebody just plugs a bunch of things into a computer and, uh, and they have like an automatic processor that just comes up with a take and he just it's like stumbles Stephen all Hawking. Over is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, basically, it's <laughs> like it's like you know the the fancy stats, the analytics, where like my my program, my my uh, uh, you know program that spits out these projections. Wait, wait, what if Ron McLean, who is this mild man? well-respected journalist everyone loves him what if he's actually a ventriloquist and don cherry is the dummy and it's been ron mcclain saying all this crazy stuff all these years it's it's a great strategy because he makes himself look great standing next to him (laughs) now that's a twist don't you think i'd love it (laughs) well speaking of ventriloquists i'm still on the air it's 617-779-7937 it's sunday skate on a thursday 
don't try to think about it too much. We're just here. We're the A team. They call us in when there's trouble, when they need to hold the fill. And uh, we're talking about the Bruins and the Blues who are going to play in the Stanley Cup final starting Monday. Tuka Rask, hopefully he'll still be in the zone. We I wanted tur- to ask you about Tuka. Is in in you know I, I tweeted out earlier today that his numbers in the past two Stanley Cup runs are better through three rounds than Tim Thomas is in 2011. They are, and obviously Thomas had the unbelievable Stanley Cup final uh, against Vancouver, and you know his numbers were inflated because of that, and took on the con Smythe. But if, if Tuka plays as well as he's played. Um, throughout the first three rounds, and he finishes with like a 940 save percentage, does he get the lifetime free pass that Tim Thomas has oh, seemed to got here? He has get to here? get the free pass. I, I can't even imagine how some people are going to even exist in this media environment if they can't say that Tuka Rask has never won the Cup. It's just unbelievable. Obviously, I am not rooting for anyone. I am not a fan. But to picture that world where it's like that alternate universe, it's like that man in the high castle, it's like what would happen if Tuka Rask is a Stanley Cup champion? What will they do about that? What will people say? Who will they turn their attention well, it, to? It's it's sort of the same, in the same vein as Alex Ovechkin winning last year and all those people that yep. had to shut up and saying Absolutely. that he, he doesn't have the, the winner's gene and he, he can't <laughs> do it in the playoffs, which is always ridiculous, always insane, always lazy. Uh, obviously, you know, Tuka Rask isn't the same quality of star right. that Alex Ovechkin sure. is so it's not quite as satisfying but you know being here and hearing all those takes over the past handful of years and being able to see him shut everybody up would be unbelievable right well give us your two could take it's 617-779-7937 it is a Thursday night edition of Sunday Skate you're listening to Sunday Skate at night with Pete Blackburn is back from CBS Sports and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. Ah. Another nice 80s song. <laughs> Nothing like a bar mitzvah when they start busting out the Billy Idol. This is Sunday Skate, Thursday night edition. Matt Kalman here, WEI.com. The other person sitting across from me is Pete Blackburn, CBS Sports hockey aficionado. And, uh, Hater of Laura Brannigan or something. I don't know what what. what no, just Kathy. Feuder of Kathy, the deceased Laura Brannigan's manager. That's that doesn't fit on a business card, I don't think. But uh, we're talking hockey here on EEI. It's Bruins Blues coming up in a few days. As even though it seems like it's been eons since the last time there was a hockey game played in this town, there is going to be one Monday night at the TD Garden, the first Cup final game since. Oh, this is going to be a, a juicy one for people to ask on Mon- on Sunday at media day. It'll be the first Cup final game since the collapse in Game Six against Chicago at home. What do you think about that? Is there carryover from that? You guys have momentum. Oh my <laughs> God, I can't wait! I cannot wait for media day. It's my favorite day of the year. It's it hasn't been bad enough. We've had ten days off of columnists, general columnists from the local papers dropping in and asking things that should have been asked two years ago about these guys, but now we're going to start bringing in everyone from the whole country, two countries, maybe more countries, to ask this stuff. But anyway, why don't you join us, uh, 617-779-7937. I think we have time to get to Alex in the car. He wants to talk about David Krejci, one of my favorite topics. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, I just got a comment um, and a question, Graham. The comment was Krejci, but I'm going to add a little something to sure. it. So I think the, I think uh, Krejci has been a little bit uh, overlooked on the way he's been playing. Uh, he's had a really good year, and he's 
solidified that second position, which a lot of times people were down on Krejci because he wasn't really playing. He's actually, you know, the whole playoff run, he's been playing unbelievable, especially sure. carrying puck in the offensive zone. Um, and I think that's that, the other part of that corner is I think that's what's going to separate the Bruins. I think their four centermen are going to be, I mean, they're really strong with those four guys at center with Bergeron and Krejci and Corrali and Coyle. Yep. I mean, those moves, are, I think that's going to what's going to separate them, the depth of their their lines. And then if I'm going to ask the question, too, you guys can comment on that, but the question is, how do you think the Bruins' defense is going to shake down next year? They got McAvoy as an unrestricted free agent. I know they extended Chaya. Kevin Miller's coming back. Connor Clifton is shown, you know, to be yeah. a pretty good player right now. So if you guys could just comment on that, I'm going to go off and listen. Thanks. All right, thanks a lot. I think, I think we'll save the futures question for the defense for Sunday morning when we have a little more time. Well, it's, dig it's into Euro. It. The Euro is going to be in the picture. And, yeah, exactly. He's going to be in the picture. But I think the David Krejci thing is so important. David Krejci, the story of his life is being overshadowed by Patrice Bergeron. Right. It's really sad. He never talks about it, but you can see it on his face sometimes. Guys had how many different right wings? See the Clay Thompson of the Boston Bruins? Absolutely. He's he's Clay Thompson. He's Clay Parker. He's Trey Parker. He's you name it. He's the second banana on this team and Led the playoffs in scoring two years in a row, and all anyone ever wants to talk about is Tim Thomas, but he led the team in scoring in 2011. I think we talked about it last Sunday, just that he's been the one of the most important pieces of this team because you look at, at the beginning of this year and how it started, they were only getting offense from that top line. It felt like it took them two months for anybody to get a goal uh, besides that top <laughs> right. line. And then David Krejci started playing out of his mind, started playing the best hockey that we've seen him play in a long, long time, and that's when the offense started to spread out a little bit, and that's when this team took off. And just such great hands, such an underrated shot. Not He's been a, shooting a lot more. Shooting more, and not not a burner, but a good skater. A guy who knows, can, can change pace, can change direction. Underrated defensive player. You know, he's not going to be Patrice Bergeron because nobody else is. But if you had, you know, this is what I know. A very well-respected former NHL player, now analyst, had dinner with him at one of the games in the conference final. He said the organization he works for, they consider David Krejci a number one center. If they were going to have a team, they would put him number one if they didn't have Patrice Bergeron. So that's all you need to know is that the Bruins have had two number one centers all these years, and they still do, and it's paying off right now. And again, it goes back to this analytic thing where they keep telling me guys are going to die die off in their early 30s. These two are busting, breaking that trend. They're ruining everyone's spreadsheets because it's pretty amazing to see. Yeah, and I mean, I also think that the league is sort of trending in the in the in the favor of guys like David Krejci, and you know maybe that's why the 30s hasn't exactly been a massive drop off. But yeah, I mean, this has been sort of a I don't know if I want to call it a renaissance year because that makes it seem like he's been bad for for years before that. But uh, he's definitely been one of the most important players to this team. Absolutely. So this was Sunday Skate, Thursday night edition, the special edition. If you want to hear our regular edition with Ken Laird back, we're on Sunday, this Sunday morning, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Two more hours of Sunday Skate, two more hours of the best hockey talk on WEI. Talk to you then.